if I say you are God's, what is your initial response? I'm gonna bring the scripture up so it's it's not blasphemous. It does say Psalms 82:6. I said you are God's, since you judge on my behalf and as my representatives. Indeed, all of you are children of the Most High. But if you're a son of God, then you're a God. If I'm a son of a DeRosa, I'm a DeRosa. Yeah. And so even that Psalms is the Old Testament. Jesus referenced this in John 10, 34. Jesus answered, isn't it written in your scriptures that God said, you are God? The scriptures cannot be, not, be denied or found to be in error. So if those who have had the message of the scriptures are said to be God's, then why would you accuse me of blasphemy? For I have been uniquely chosen by God, and he is the one who sent me to you. How then could it be blasphemy for you to say, I am the Son of God? If we're all born again, how can it be blasphemy to say, I'm the Son of God, and I am a God? If we're created in his image and likeness, that is the very essence of who we are. But the way the mirror says in John 10, 34 through 36, says, Jesus said, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods, which comes from Genesis 1, 26, which is, we're created in his image and likeness, like yeah. Brian said and never said. And then Psalms 82, 6. All of you are like Elohim, since you are our sons of the Most High. You are all equal image bearers of the same likeness. He called them gods when, he, when they encountered the word of God face to face. And the prophetic dynamic of scripture does not dissolve in time. So then, dare you say of him whom the Father has consecrated and commissioned in the world, you blasphemy, because I said that I am the Son of God. Sonship implies union with the Father. We are sons. So that's where, literally, if he is the God of the universe, and we're his creation, we're his sons and daughters, what are we? We're gods. They're little hidingers. We're little gods. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things. It's not blasphemous. It's our very nature. Because what's it say? He's the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. So what's that? He's the Lord and I'm, he's the Lord over me. He's a King over me. He's the creator. I'm his creation. All these things, if Christ was one thing, we're created in his likeness and images. So if we start looking at scripture and saying, okay, if that's what Christ was, and I'm now a co-heir with Christ, I'm in the same place as he is. He's just the chief Lord. He's the chief king, the chief apostle. Yep. So let me set this up a little bit more before we get into the meat of it. But 1 Corinthians 3.3 3 says, says, For you are still carnal, for where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal? Behaving like mere men. I've seen some translations say, don't be like mere men or human. Don't be like a mere human. Why is it saying that? Because you're beyond human. You're a God. You're a son of God. That puts you in the family. That puts you in the Trinity. 1 Peter 2.11 Since you are resident aliens and foreigners in this world. So you're an alien. You're a foreigner. It's just painting the picture that we no longer belong to this earth. We no longer are simple humans. Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait 
for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're a citizen of heaven. You're an alien on this earth. You're a foreigner on this earth. We're not to behave like a mere human. John 5, 6. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. For that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is, is spirit. So what I'm trying to show is when you become born again, you're born of spirit. You're not only born of flesh. It says that Jesus was the firstborn of this new creation. So I was born into the world. I was born of flesh. I'm a human. But when I was born of spirit, I became a heavenly being also. You became Jesus, a God. Yes, I became a God. In the true sense, we're the son of God. You're born of flesh and you're born of spirit. Jesus came through Mary, flesh, but he was also born of God, spirit. And now we're born the same way. We're born of flesh and we're born of spirit. So it makes us beyond human. It makes us, as Jesus said, gods. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. When you go to the Word, it's you are a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all has become new. You're literally a new creature. You're a creature on this earth that has never existed before Jesus. The world had never seen something like that on this earth. <laughs> Just for reference for the audio, he's pointing to Josiah, Josiah Neal. But no, the earth had never, the world had never seen something like that walk the earth before. And then Jesus walked the earth and he did things and he said things that were way different than anybody had ever seen. He was making trees die. He was walking on water. He was beyond human. He wasn't a mere human. And now we're the same way. We're born of flesh and we're born of spirit. We're on the earth, but we're not of the earth. I'm walking the earth, but I'm seated in these heavenly realms. I'm functioning from there. If you look at the Garden of Eden, this is a revelation me and Jason started grabbing a hold of. If you look at the Garden of Eden, everything in the garden is spiritual. Everything. There is nothing natural about the garden when you read it. You'll say, but, but the tree, the trees, those were natural. No, go read it. Everywhere the tree of life is mentioned in the Bible, it's in a spiritual sense. In the garden, there was a serpent. Who was the serpent? Is the devil a human? Is the devil an animal? We know he's a spirit. God walked with Adam in the garden, it says, that we know God's spirit, right? God is spirit. It wasn't literally like physically in a body walking with them. It was a spiritual place. It says that God gave dominion over the earth to Adam, right? But in the garden, it says he, it never says he gave him dominion. It says he told him to tend to it and to keep it, which shows you that it's kind of a separate place. He gave him dominion over the earth, but not over the garden. Why? Because it was a spiritual place. And then you'll notice that when Adam was kicked out of the garden, that he put angels at the entry of the garden 
so that man couldn't get back in, so that Adam couldn't get back in. Well, angels are spiritual. And then there's a flaming sword. Well, we know that's spiritual. Why isn't that found on earth right now? Why, why isn't the Garden of Eden on earth right now? Because it's a spiritual place. What I started seeing is, man, Adam was functioning from a place that we function from. He was functioning from the spiritual place where he walks with God. And he was in the same position we're in now, but I think we're in a better place. We're in a better Because we have the Spirit of God in us. But Adam was functioning from a heavenly place, but he was on the earth at the same time. And you could read it in Genesis 2, and it's really tripping. It takes you, it's so woven together. And what we're seeing is, that's how we're supposed to be living on earth. It's so woven together. And we all know the scripture that says, as Jesus is, so are we on this earth, right? Jesus, his life on earth was so woven with heaven that he, it went beyond human abilities. He was walking on water. He basically fed 5,000 people with hardly anything, with a handful of food. And then they had seven baskets of food left over. He needed tax money, and he tells Peter to go fish, pull the money out of a fish's mouth. He's healing people. He's raising the dead. We know that. He talked to a tree, and it died. Like he was doing these things that were beyond human. Something else the Lord's been showing us recently is the, the earth isn't to govern you. You're not in subject to the earth. The earth is in subject to you. Even to the point where Jacob told the sun and the moon to stop and it stopped. He stopped time. He governed the earth. The earth didn't govern him. And when we act as mere humans, that puts us in our position of flesh. We're just born of flesh. So all we can do is what this earth allows us to do. But when we're born of spirit, the two merge together. And so we're functioning from this place. So now, instead of being subject to the earth, we get to govern it and govern the things in it. So things go differently for us. We're not subject to the downfalls. We're not subject to the pits. We're not subject to its depression. We're not subject to its lack. One of Jason's favorite scriptures is, the, sun, the earth is waiting for the sons to be revealed. It'll literally provide for you. It'll partner with you. The whole universe will partner with you to supply what you need. And that was the testimony I was trying to give earlier about how we were so low and all of a sudden, I'm getting paid four days earlier. We were given money. It was like nobody knew. Nobody knew I was low. I functioned from that place of faith. I functioned from that heavenly place. And then you could say when heaven touches earth, it overcomes natural laws or laws of physics. Yeah. What was walking on water? Heaven touched earth. Christ was touching earth so he could walk on water. He could have coins come out of fish's mouth. He could feed 5,000. When heaven touches earth, what? What was Jesus' prayer? On earth as in heaven. That was his prayer because he knew when we operate from our heavenly place on this earth, we change the earth. What did Christ do? He changed the earth everywhere he went. Yeah. It wasn't the earth changing him. He changed it. So when heaven encounters earth 
earth changes. Or it could be said, when gods of the heavenly God touch earth, we are to change it. Yeah, that's good. How could it not change when you think of it like that? When you think that you're a son of the God, how could it not respond? And I think this is like really important because we have people with big dreams, huge dreams. And I know you got dreams. We have these dreams, but like it's very slim. You can accomplish that in your lifetime. In our human abilities, it's a slim chance you'll reach your goals. But in our heavenly abilities, it's not unattainable. And then a few testimonies with that is Ryland, who spoke a few weeks ago. Ryland has a, I think it's a $40,000 tent, right? $40,000 tent, a truck that went with it, was all given to him. You know how long it would have took him to do that? He probably could have done it, but it might have taken him 20 years to get that kind of money. But because he functions from a heavenly place, it was like, here, I'm going to give you what you need to accomplish the fullness of what I called you to be. So instead of it taking 40, 50 years, it just took a week. It took a moment. Another one is, like, I don't know if I shared this, but we've been getting a lot about how time functions. We govern time. Time doesn't govern us. We live from heavenly time. When the Lord was showing me this, Adam was coming over. And so we had to enroll him in school. And it was going really slow. And so I called. Christy's like, you need to call because people drop the ball left and right. And they do. Because when I called, it was just a big mess. And nobody's gotten this email. Little, uh. So I kind of started networking and got everything to start connecting. And then I was like, this is taking forever. And I was like, God, can you just intervene and just take care of this? And then I think it was 30 minutes, I got an email. And it's the first step to him getting enrolled to the acceptance is you get an email and then you call the school and schedule a time with the counselor. So I got the email. So I called the school. And they were like, well, he hasn't been processed yet. And I was like, yeah, I got the email. And they were like, you didn't get an email. And I said, I'm looking at it right now. And it was sitting to me at this time. And she was like, that's not possible. Because we haven't, he's not even been processed. So she's like, let me call you back. So she calls me back and says, I don't know how this happened, but you got the email before we even processed them. And it's automated. Well, I know how it happened. And she said, give us 30 minutes. We'll, we'll, we threw them to the top of the list. Give us 30 minutes. We'll process them. And then you, we, you just show up tomorrow morning or whatever. So my point being is, I went outside the time of earth and went into God's kingdom timing, and he expedited it even when they didn't even process them yet. I still got the email. I got the email before they even sent it. If you think on the examples he gave, how many times, and I, I do this a lot, how many times do I try to figure it out? And then at the very, after I did my 20 steps, did everything I think I could do, and it doesn't work out, do I finally go, all right, God, what should I do? Like, I tend to have my processes I go through to do something versus going, God, what should I do? So I, I tend to waste a lot of energy doing things that seem good, that seem right, when I just need to ask the Lord and say, okay, how do I save 
months of time? How do I save this? How do I just do this? And ask the Lord for the Lord's righteousness versus doing what Jason thinks is right. Yeah. Because uh, if you go with the Lord's righteousness, it doesn't fail. Jason's failed a lot. One of the things, and, and I'd like to hear from you guys on this, one of the things I wrote down is like, what keeps us bound to the mindset of being just mere humans? Or what keeps us from stepping into that? I've got two for me. One of them is the Lord tells me something and I start to processing. But I'm like, okay, this, here's the reasons why it won't work. And so many times I've talked up myself out of not walking something out because of all the reasons why it won't work. Legit reasons, good reasons. But it stops me. Has been a big one. The other one is because I've never seen anybody else do it. And if you remember, one of the first messages we preached was pioneers. Well, pioneers haven't seen what's before them before. It's new. So what keeps us from the mindset? What keeps us bound to the mindset of humans, of mere humans? Or what keeps you from stepping into your heavenly Your identity. God identity, yeah. Well, it's just, just, just the processing matter, and, and, and yeah. we get in trouble because we process too much, yeah. and we don't really... I mean, this book is spiritual, Every bit and of you're it. trying to grip it with your physical mind. It doesn't work. We can't read this book in a physical mind sense and try to get it because it doesn't make sense to this mind. Yep. So once we realize we're talking about spirit... And he says, what, walk in the Spirit? That's a huge one. How do I do that? That's because if you recognize you're not just human, yep. you are a spirit being having a human experience, period. Mm -hmm. We process it. We, we take more care of our physical body than we do our physical body. And that's why we're starving in our spirit. But yet we're filling our body, but our spirit is just so hungry, hungry. And David even penned when he says, as the deer panted for the water, my soul, ah, hunger, hunger. Who's really hungering for God? Because mm -hmm. your spirit is just hungering for the Because he is. We need to feed that inner. You do have a spirit. We're not just a flesh. We're mind, soul, and spirit. And your spirit, man, is like, ah, ah, feed me, feed me, feed me. Yeah. But, I, but I get it. But yeah. Why do I get it? But <clears throat> just remind yourself, we, and I heard what you said, Serge. I go, what? Yeah. Oh, no, no. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. It's the, one of the things that keeps me bound to being a mere human is processing. Yeah, processing. Yep. We live by faith. What does that mean? Yep. That's the question. Yep. That is the question. It's not being a right. God. But what does it mean by living by faith? Having a lot of talks lately about... Um, energy and quantum physics and things like that and understanding man how that plays into the father and the spirit and spiritual realms and all and a lot of times it's just so over my head and i heard the spirit say this last week that it's okay because peter didn't know how he walked on water he just had faith he didn't have to know why or how it works all he had to do Jesus didn't say it's because you lack understanding. No, he said it's because you lack faith. So we don't have to know all the details of the ifs and hows. 
Not that he won't show us because he's showing me because I'm asking and he reveals his mysteries to us. But when it comes down to it, if you just have faith. Well, he just said, boy, does our mind get in the way. And when she said, responsibility is what keeps us from walking as God. And we had this conversation this week. As we're teaching on kingdom, the more we just dig in, dig in, it takes away all the things besides the man in the mirror is the issue. Yep. Satan's defeated. Sin's been taken care of. So what's the problem? What is the responsibility? If I want to walk as Christ walks, if I want to walk as a son of God that has authority, has dominion, has all this, if I'm not doing it, where does it sit? The guy I look at every morning. Yep. That's where it sits. So with that, how do, how do we walk in it? Give me some ideas. How do we walk in something? How do we walk in not just humans, but as the new creature that we are? You know, as you were speaking earlier and even right now, I just keep hearing that I no longer live, Christ lives within me. Like I have died, I no longer live. I have died. Paul, a murderer. Paul was considered, by biblical standards, he's an enemy of God. He went after God's family. By biblical standards, he deserves wrath and judgment because he's going after the family of God and God protects his family. Yet, he gets knocked off a horse and gives his life to Jesus. And he writes, I no longer live. There have been times in my life where I struggle with my past. I struggle with my past sins. Look at the past he had. Holy moly. He, but he didn't carry that in. He didn't let that hear. He had to let that die. He, that guilt, whatever the junk that would come with that, the trauma, he had to let that die to move forward and to walk in the life that God gave him. And so all that I know, everything I know, everything I've learned on how to live, I just got to let it die. Teach me. Teach me how to be this creature, not that creature, this one. And that comes back, I actually went back to the one, freedom and victory. And there's things that we laid out. How do we walk in this victory? One was renewing the mind. If you want the fullness of it, go listen to the podcast. But renewing the mind is a process done by the Holy Spirit. It's actually metamorphosis. It's the changing of mind. What did Paul, he had a renewing of the mind from the Holy Ghost where he was struck down. And what happened? His mind was changed. And that's one of the things, like these things, like get to renew your mind, take the thoughts captive, like you talked about. Take those finite thoughts that were just mere humans captive. We got to think on these things. Think on what God says. Think on who he says he is. You know, Galatians 5, you know, faith, hope, love, all these things. You know, have the mind of Christ. It's something we have. What did Paul? He was struck down. He didn't call himself a sinner anymore. No. He said, he, you don't see right, man, I was the killer of the killers. No, he does not even go there. He doesn't live in that past because what? He took upon him the mind of Christ because the renewing of the mind is a Holy Spirit-driven process. Then we got to manifest what he called and then stand. Like, I just, that's literally, that was a whole message. But man, we got to realize the renewing of the mind and the mind of Christ are a gift to every one of us.
saying how to walk, not as a full-grown man or whatever, but as a little child, just saying, Papa, I need you. I'm so weak. I mean, he gives us all these instructions to make sure that it is not us. It's all about him. Everything that we do in him, not separate yeah. from him, no. but in him. Oh, oh just. Oh. Yep. So that's where I was going with this. To walk just as a human and in our human ability and logic, that's just half the picture. We don't neglect that, but that's just half the picture. There's this whole other side that we were designed. People say, you were designed to worship God. No, you weren't. That's weird. God didn't create something to worship him. Now, he, he, I like it when, my, when Adam's like, hey, you're such a good dad, or if Lena gives me you know, some praises. Like, I like it. But I didn't have a kid so that it would worship me. I had a kid so I can love it. That kid came out of love. We're created because he loves us. We're created because he wants to do life with us. It, everything we do, he wants to partner with us. And to only do this side where we're missing this whole other side what we're designed for and how we were designed to live and how we're designed to function. Well, I mean, we're going to have kids because we want to be worshipped. Like, yeah, it's like me and Cassie having a conversation. Man, you know this marriage thing's good. It's fun. You don't worship me enough. Let's have kids. Yeah. So, and then after one kid, we go, I just don't get enough worship. Let me have a second. No, nope, not enough worship. Yeah. Let me have a third. Not enough. Let me, let me bring a kid in our house. I'm like, I, I literally owned a market go, you know, if I wanted to be worshipped, I'm buying a dog. A dog I don't pay attention to comes, greets me at the door every day. I don't even feed him. Yeah. Somebody else does. And he still is the one that loves me the most. He never backcocks me. You're like, if yeah. I'm really going to choose somebody to worship me, it's going to be a, yeah. a dog. Like, because he, he, you know, I could treat him bad and he yeah. still comes running to me. So we just kind of laugh about this. It's all rooted this, in love. If we really look at saying God created us to worship him, it's kind of like, if oh. that's his sole purpose, that, <clears throat> that's not love. He already had the angels. Yeah. That worshiped him, that go around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy. Yeah. So it was just kind of one of those funny kind of interactions we had on Marco. Like, this would be the conversation. Yeah. Oh, Cassie, we need somebody to worship us. Let's have a kid. But, but my point being is, we do worship him. Yes, we do. Out of love. We, we love because he first loved us, is basically what it is. But with that and all, we're supposed to do life with him. I want to start stepping deeper into the spiritual realms and merging heaven with earth like Jesus did, going beyond human ability. Especially like for you guys, like catching a hold of that now, going beyond human ability now, dude, what can you accomplish? There's just so much out there. So I'm going to ask it the way Reggie stated it. What all things are we in Christ or in Him? We already talked about what are you? We in Him, we are God's. In Him, we are what? We're Lord. He's Lord of Lords. He's the Lord of me. But I'm also a Lord. I have dominion. He's what? King mm. of kings. In Him, I'm a king. So I'm a son. I'm a priest. I'm a Lord. I'm a king. You know? All these things. 
And it's because of what? We're in Him. We got to recognize our in Him, in Himness, so we can walk out heaven on earth. Right. So we can walk out being the manifestation of God on this earth, as we're called to be. Because what the earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. The order of authority with Jesus' resurrection. What is it? It's God, Jesus, and the believers. We're part of the body of Christ. Then it's the angels. It's exactly what you said. And like you said, what even the scripture that they used to say, it's mistranslated, isn't it? It says we have always been. Our places always have been seated in heavenly places above that. Dude, that's powerful, Reggie. And one of the things that brought me back to, I don't know who said it or what, said if you only had tomorrow what you were thankful for God today, what would you have? If everything you thank God for today is what carried in tomorrow, what would you have? Just like she was saying, most people would have a lot of negative junk. But what are you thankful? What things from the goodness of God are you thankful today that you would want to see tomorrow? You know, cars to get around, food in your fridge, breath in your lungs, like... It's one of those things I used to be more methodical. I would literally wake up and say, Lord, thank you for breath in my lungs for another day. I would be that, I won't say religious now, but there's, there's a wisdom to it. Yeah. Am I thankful for my wife and family? Or did I go to bed mad and not thankful for my family? And next thing you know, if they weren't there tomorrow, because I went to bed with being a stubborn butt. Like, really, what? If you knew what you thank God for today, you'd have tomorrow... What would you have tomorrow? Think of the day where you went to bed mad. You woke up the next day and said, well, I don't have what I'm thankful for. How many would go, wow, I'm living on the street, (laughs) walking in my bare feet. I was reflecting on all the things we've been talking about since we started. And it was like, he's teaching us. He's literally teaching us how to walk in that on earth. But not of this earth, where at the beginning it was community. We were hammering on community. That's key. That's part. That's a huge part of how we walk is community. Then it was like pioneers. You, you don't know what it looks like, so you got to ask, seek, and knock. You just got to go blindly and let him start leading you. We talked about righteousness, what righteousness is. That was huge. That's a huge road. That alone changes the way we live. The righteousness thing, the Father's love. He, he's been going through just these key things that we have to get straight in order to live like we were intended to live. And just on that, like, think for me, the two of those that he named, and there's other things we did, community has been something that just yeah. has came up over and over as we talk with people. Right. And righteousness. Yeah. Man, that righteousness is God's intent, heart, and desire. Yeah. Are you living from the tree of life, which could be also translated the tree of righteousness? Are you living from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? We talked about this last night, wasn't it, Joe? Or one of these nights. Literally, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, good and evil were in that tree that was told to stay off limits. So there, you can be walking in good and good and still not be under the tree of life. I think it was last yeah, night we discussed. Yeah. 
But literally, what is it? Are you walking in God's heart, intent, and desires? What's the scripture say? He'll give you the desires of your heart. Because if you walk righteously, your desires are his desires. Yeah. And I'm going to say I'm not good at this. But as me and Cassie are together as one, what should happen? She's a gift giver. I tend to be not big on gifts. If I was truly walking in righteousness in sync with my wife, I would be a better gift giver. So I'm kind of feeling like as I'm saying this, like a little conviction on this, like, oh, yeah. maybe you should. Right, but yeah. really, if my desire <clears throat> is to walk righteously with my wife, her desires become mine. Two become one. So there's things that she would desire that I would prefer her preference over that. And there's things that I desire and she'd prefer my preference. And But do we do that? Do we even do that with God? Or do we say, this is good? I'm good to my wife. She has food. She has this. Like that. That's good. That's the American dream. We have the American dream. I'm good to my wife. But is that the righteous thing with my wife? God's saying the same thing. What's my heart, intent, and desires? If you walk in that, you'll have everything. You know, you won't have strife. You won't have anxiety because you'll have the blessings of God and everything. So I'm going to read this scripture, Genesis 1, 26 through 28 in the message. We read the other one, Psalms 82, I think it is. John 10, 34 and 36, and Psalms 82, 6. But I love the way the message puts this. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible. Responsible, there's that word again. (laughs) For the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and the cattle, and yes, earth itself. And every animal that moves on earth, the face of earth, God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created, say it, he created me godlike. He created me godlike. And you did not just blaspheme there. <laughs> say, he created me godlike. He created me godlike. Reflecting God's nature. Say, I reflect God's nature. I reflect God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them. Prosper. Reproduce. Fill earth. Take charge. Be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. You could actually own the face of the cosmos, but literally, I feel the word of the night is responsibility. <laughs> so I want to do something, um, just a little exercise before we close out. We can close out with this. I want you to think about something you're facing um, in your life. And it could be big, it could be small. It could be something God's growing you in. It could be a difficulty, whatever, problem, whatever it is. But I want you to think of one issue, just one. Think about how you are, as the Bible says, you are God's. You're connected. You're one with the Father. That issue, that situation, whatever it is, it's not bound to just play itself out. <clears throat> it's not bound to whatever happens, happen. It's not bound to chance. Like you are God's. You have the ability to partner with God, to partner with heaven, and bring answers to it, to bring solutions. And so as I'm going to take a few minutes to just focus in on who you are, what you are, and what it looks like for heaven to invade that issue, that situation, whatever it is, that difficulty, what it looks like for heaven to invade it.